Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is the Reverend Kenneth Tanner. Kenneth is a pastor of Church of the Holy Redeemer in Rochester Hills, Michigan. He writes for numerous websites and magazines, including the Huffington Post and Sojourners. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. It feels like another lifetime when I was last on the show. Yeah, you've been, you've been, and you've been traveling. I mean, you've, you've been, you've been out there studying with, with great ones, teaching with great ones. And now you're back. It's, it's like, as, as, as the great Augustine would go and travel all around and then come back to his bishop, his yeah. parish life. You know, you're traveling. Now you're back. You're ready. You're, you know, you're back in the saddle. Yeah. It's like Michelle you great- know, would say that I've been displaced as the most, um, you know, most often appearing co-host by the wonderful Glenn. Um, yeah, I'm here, you're man. back in the saddle. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to you're do ready it. You're ready to rack ready it back up. So we have some great text. Eight. First is Second mm. Kings two one through two and six through fourteen. Although I, you know, it's funny because I mean I don't, I don't know why you'd admit omit verses um, three through five uh, like as if the, you know. But whatever. Here we go. We have that's what they like to do uh, is take them out. Elijah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very, it's curious sometimes to me, but, you know, you here you have uh, Elijah, uh, you know, taken up to heaven by a whirlwind, uh, and uh, Elijah and uh, Elisha are on their way, uh, on their way from Gilgal, and Elijah sort of beckons him to stay, but he won't leave, but Elisha won't leave, and and eventually it's clear that, uh, you know, he's going to be, ta- Elijah's going to be taken away, and it's interesting because Elijah asked him for a double share of his spirit, and... You know, he says, you know, if 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 you see me being taken away, it's be granted, and he sees it, and then uh, he gets the double share, and there you go. Uh, and he picks up the mantle of Elijah that, that you know had fallen from him, and he goes back to the, he takes that mantle on, and uh, and he is the successor to Elijah, and he strikes the water, and the water's parted. Uh, you know, it's very a very interesting text. This sort of succession of the prophets. In a time when Israel is, you know, it's not, uh, they're not making Israel great again at this, uh, at this stage in Israel's history. These are, these are dark days compared to the relatively better glory days of David and Solomon. Now that, you know, the kingdom is divided and caught up in Baal worship and Elijah will, Elisha will take on the sort of role of Elijah confronting all these challenging things in the Northern Kingdom. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm always doing these things where I, I, I think about a scene like this, which is one of the great moments in the in the scriptures and the in the Hebrew Bible. Um, and um, I, I just kind of look at it in light of of the of the journey of Israel to this point and how um, this story picks up on aspects of that, like the crossing of the Jordan or or the crossing of the Red Sea. Um, and, and the Psalm that goes with this particular, with track one, this, this week, Psalm 77 invokes, in fact, Moses and Aaron and the, the, uh, the crossing of the Red Sea, the, the staff that, that, 
you know, uh, is put out over the water and the waters are parted. In this case, um, Elijah's mantle um, and um, and the waters are parted. Uh, I look forward to the Gospels and, and Christ and how where Christ is seen in a text like this. And obviously there's there's all kinds of parallels with Ascension. Um, you know, the, you'll, if yeah. you see me you know, ascending in the cloud, um, I will, you, you'll receive this double portion of my anointing and, and how that, that he does pick up. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't say that the mantle falls, but it, you know, it doesn't talk about when the mantle leaves Elijah, but Elisha picks it up off the ground and how, you know, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls upon the apostles and they receive, uh, you know, the spirit and um, and continue to be the incarnation of God, the son of God in the world. Um, so fascinating, right? Yeah, it's interesting. And I think, you know, in the New Testament, we have Elijah is a type of John. Well, Jesus the says Baptist, he's the, you know, he's the, he is yeah. Elijah, you know, quote unquote. And so you could almost look on one level at Elijah to Elisha foreshadowing the transition from John to Jesus, because John is the lone voice in the wilderness, right? But Elijah is surrounded by disciples, and Jesus' ministry is a ministry of these sort of life-giving miracles, you know, cleansing lepers, raising dead sons, and restoring them to their mothers, like in Luke 7, uh, and relieving distress. And like that, Elisha raises the dead in Second Kings 4 and provides a meal for 100 men uh, from 20 loaves of barley yeah, bread in chapter yeah, yeah, 4 yeah, yeah. as well. Cleanses the leper in, in chapter 5. So on the surface, you know, you have Elijah as uh, a type. It's like, but yeah, it's interesting because Peter Lightheart says in this in the, on this passage, he, he notes that the, the, that the topology works in reverse as well. He says Elijah is a type of mm-hmm. Jesus himself and Elijah of the disciples who yeah. continued Jesus' ministry yeah. after his ascension. Elijah first appears plowing a field, but leaves home and family like the disciples of Jesus who leave their fishing boats and tax booths to follow him. At the beginning of 2 Kings 2, Elijah, Elisha doggedly follows his master, refusing to stay behind until Elijah is taken from in a whirlwind. Because he follows Elijah, Elisha becomes like his master. And after Elijah departs, he immediately begins to re- replicate his ministry. Having received the promised double portion of Elijah's spirit, Elisha is a reincarnation or reanimation of Elijah, as the church is the body of Christ and the spirit of Jesus. The sons of the prophets recognize the family resemblance between Elisha and his predecessor, just as the Jews perceive the courage of Peter and the apostles. Remember, they have been with Jesus. From this angle, he says, the Elijah-Elisha narrative directly foreshadows the sequence of the biography of Jesus. The Gospels begin with the ministry of Elijah like John, who confronts the ambivalent Herod and his bloodthirsty queen and calls Israel to repentance. John baptizes Jesus' successor as Elijah calls Elisha, and Jesus receives the spirit as he is baptized, as Elijah receives the spirit mm-hmm. of Elijah. Jesus announces the destruction of the temple, and Elisha anoints the temple destroyer, Jehu. Jesus comes eating and drinking, and Elijah's ministry is like Jesus above all in giving central attention to the gift of food and drink. And it's interesting, he has some other parallels, and he says the Gospels end in an empty tomb. And Elijah's story ends with his life-giving grave. So it's very interesting that this rich topology you have kind of going both ways where Elijah, this, you know, interesting forerunner and yet Christ figure and, and, and Elijah's Christ figure and yet disciple figure. It's a beautiful kind of window on sort of the typological light, the Testament. Yeah, shed and, on I, each other. and I think we're given, you know, full permission by Jesus and um, even by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament to read these texts in this way. 
Um, well, Jesus, the hermeneutics of Jesus, Luke 24 says, you know, the whole thing is about, you know, the beginning with Moses, which is, you know, the Torah, the first five books, he explained how everything was to the, these two disciples on Emmaus Road. Everything was about his own suffering and lightheart man what a what a gift right um the the guy is like a patristic figure <laughs> i mean he he has such a, a, a he has such a rich imaginative hermeneutical lens when he looks at the text it it's, is so he, it's you know and and it is interesting also how christ both both um you know takes up the ministry of elijah but also is in contrast to it like how he, you know, we're going to get there in the gospel reading, but, you know, he rebukes James and John for wanting to call down fire, um, you know, as Elijah does in the scriptures. Um, yeah. He also does not permit, as Elijah permitted Elisha to go back and leave, uh, you know, have a leave taking from his, and again, I'm jumping ahead to the gospel reading, but um, he, he says, no, you know, you, you must follow me now. You know, uh, there's no time to go back and, and do any leave taking of your family or your, your vocation or your work. Um, so at, at the same time, so, so the ministry of Christ is also, um, you know, different, um, than the ministry of Elijah yeah, in very yeah. important ways. And of course he is God incarnate. So. On to Galatians. And you have to we do have, Vangelis this is, this is, between sorry. the, you know, be, between this and the, the Galatians, right? Chariots of Fire, which we didn't, we didn't even get into. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which, which yeah, was yeah. totally oh, yeah. ruined for me by, by, by this charismatic <laughs> woman who put, I, I don't know, it was a male or female, but some somebody in the charismatic movement put words to that. And I'm not going to sing them because oh, I don't no, want no. to ruin that piece of music for you. But that piece of music was so inspiring to me until it's somebody amazing. added these really crap lyrics to it. And I can't and get the it, and crap so well lyrics done. out of my mind when I hear that piece of music. It's so well placed in that film, too. I mean, it's just such a powerful use of music and film. But So Galatians 5, uh, 1, and then verses 13 through 25. I love the, the first verse here for, you know... For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And then in 13, it says, you know, that you were called to freedom. Don't use it for self-indulgence. Um, and, you know, he says, don't live by, he says, live by the spirit, not the desires of the flesh. So he trans, he kind of, Paul here, uh, you know, has a sort of juxtaposition. He contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the spirit and so yeah he he's talking about this galatian community that has been told by by what we call i guess in the you know right. judaizers judaizing christians that say hey look you've got jesus and that's great you've also got to submit to the full range of of torah sort of obedience and ritual obedience and no then bacon. you're really free you're real you're really and, and so yeah exactly no bacon and and so and Paul is saying that, no, this would be a regression, not a progression. And he, again, hits on freedom here. Uh, but but he's saying, don't be uh, sort of libertine or self-indulgent with and your he, freedom. And he doesn't, but, he doesn't but mix words love. here. I mean, he's, the, 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 the wow. immense words. He, the, you know, the, the yoke of slavery is how he describes uh, Torah keeping, you know. 
And so um, he says, don't submit again to that, which comes with a, a kind of moralistic spirit to it with a capital with a with a lowercase s. And he's instead telling them to oppose that by the capital spirit that dwells within them. Um, I always love that that he, you know, I mean, Jesus, you know, sums the law up and love the Lord your God with the, you know, Shema and the love your neighbor. But here, Paul takes it down for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you're doing that, then you're loving God. You know, I, I think that's what he's trying to get across. But the, instead of a moralism, He's he's encouraging us to embrace the freedom of the spirit while recognizing that there are all sorts of ways of living that are opposed to love. Um, you know, it's it's these ways of living that are opposed to love that can inherit the kingdom of God. And so um, part of this part, of, I think part of the psychology and the practicum of the, you know, of following the law was that you'd have these people that were um, sort of um, as for the community sort of policemen as to, you know, whether you were keeping all of these things or not. And, and what he's saying is, Hey, live by the spirit and don't take this, this freedom that you've been given as a license. So here's all the ways that we know are opposed to love. And so stay away from that. And it's interesting that sorcery and idolatry um, are in the same thing as quarrels, dissensions, mm -hmm. factions, um, things like uh, drunkenness and carousing are in the same place with jealousy and anger and strife. Um, so, um, yeah. And then, of course, the beautiful fruits. These are the things that if you are yielding to the spirit of love and not walking away from love, walking um, in the spirit, you, you just, these are the things that are going to be, you know, demonstrable of you and of your community. Joy. Love, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and that last one, of course, is is very important. Self-control, not others' control, not policing yeah. the, you know, the, the lives of other people, but finding by the power of the Spirit the law that's now been written on your heart instead of on tablets, the law that's been written on flesh and not stone, um, you know, find that place of self-control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting too. I mean, the, the path of liberty, right? Of, of real liberty that Paul's talking about. You know, the, the road to liberty is sort of beset on either side by, I guess, the swamps of legalism yeah. and license. Right. And, and legal. It's interesting swamps. because Paul is not saying that your your behavior in the spirit will be no. lawless. It just it, it just will be It won't be legalistic. And you know, Paul's all says something that the law. There's not the law isn't bad. It's just right. powerless to provide what it demands. So only God's grace and his, the work of a spirit and, and being bathed in his love can actually make, can make one freely uh, love God and all these made. It's just great William Cowper uh, hymn, uh, love constrains to obedience. And the, the, the refrain is the chorus is love to see the law by Christ fulfilled to, to, to hear his pardoning voice changes a, a slave into mm. a child and duty to choice. And so here, I think that's what Paul's saying. So here, like that basically, legalism is using the law as sort of your own salvation project or through my own righteousness, I will measure up and I will sort of, you know, I, I'll be blessed. And, you know, Eugene Peterson says it best that Christian discipleship is focusing more and more on Christ's righteousness and less and less on your own. And I think that's what Paul's saying. And the other interesting thing I think here is that there are, there are works of, of the flesh, but 
it's funny people say the fruits of the spirit. It's singular. Yeah. Fruit. And you know, it's interesting. Jonathan Edwards invented a word preaching on this text. He said he called it concomitance. He said the fruit, singular, carpe is concomitant. And so it all comes organically kind of together, not perfectly equally, but together. So you might That's have so somebody good. that seems really you might have see somebody that is really peaceable, uh, right? But they're uh but they're just um afraid of conflict. You know, they're, they don't have real inner peace. They just uh, are scared to be truthful people. Or you might have somebody that, uh, you know, seems very gentle all the time, but that's just because they are afraid, you know, that that's sort of a family system sort of thing, you know, or you might have somebody that was raised in a really disciplined home. They seem to have lots of self-control, but they, they, but they lack joy, peace and kindness. It, it's just a psychological trait that they've inherited. So these things, you know, the idea is that that any one of these things could be in somebody that could be just dispositional, but the fruit comes organically uh, together, singular, you know, that fruit to, and, and, you know, fruit's interesting because there's lots of stuff you can do uh, to, you know, you can put strictures around a, a fruit tree or a tomato plant, right? And they can get in the way of growth or they can uh, help it along a little bit, but they can't produce growth. Only photosynthesis rain, only things out of your control can produce growth. So, you know, the, the, the organic metaphor as opposed to the mechanical is really powerful. I think that that, you know, the spirit, it, that all of the stuff, that real Christian faithfulness is from the spirit and it's always a gift. It's it, this, this, um, and, and, and this idea that there's no law against all of this, you know? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd never seen, because it's been drilled into me since I was a young Pentecostal kid, that it's fruits, plural, that it is one fruit. And that just totally yeah. is mind blowing. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping everybody was listening to the last two or three minutes of what you were saying. Jonathan there, Edward, there, there's no law against love or joy or peace or patience, yeah. kind of yeah. generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, um, you know, earlier in this epistle, you know, he says we don't have this law as a custodian anymore um, and we don't need the custodianettes either. You know, it's you know, he's he's like, uh, you do not need the little police, uh, you know, and that, that church. Yeah. And I yes. think that is what it, that, I mean, one of the things that's a problem with uh, the local church and and how its reputation is that there's the custodianettes that are in the churches. And <laughs> that'd be a great yeah, uh, yeah. religious group. And now the custodianettes are <laughs> and, coming out. And, and it's it, it's driving people from from uh, the gospel. It's driving people from. Um, you know, uh, from the, the, the incarnate gathering of the body of Christ, which is so important to the life of Christians. And so, um, you know, he's, he's both, he, you said it, he's, he's, he's trying to, to forge a way, um, uh, in the narrow path between legalism on the one hand and license on the other. And, uh, that path is forged by the spirit and, and by the work of God and the flesh of Jesus and not by, monitors and uh, moralists. Speaking of Jesus, we have the gospel reading here, Luke 9, verses 51 through 62. It's interesting because there's the opening of this passage where you have the ultimate irony here, where Jesus is setting his face to Jerusalem, where he'll be rejected. And he sends messengers ahead of him in this Samaritan village and they're rejected. And he's like, 
you know, th- when they saw that that uh, they didn't receive him, they're like, do you want us to co- command fire down from heaven and consume them? And he rebukes them. It's like, he's going to Jerusalem where he'll pray, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, where the judge will be judged in, in the place of sinners. And the disciples are like, let's burn them up. <laughs> like, I think they, it's just a lesson of discipleship that they quite, haven't quite learned the lesson about handling rejection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, you know, also the when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up. Um, meaning the cross, meaning, uh, meaning, yeah. um, his descent to the dead, meaning his resurrection, meaning his ascension. And it, the, the lectionary is drawn together very beautifully here because obviously Elijah is taken up, um, as well. And, uh, we see this is what, and they're, they're traveling. Jesus with the disciples are traveling on their way to Jerusalem, just as Elijah and Elisha were traveling. Um, and, and as I said earlier, there's this contrast um, here that takes place between the ministry of Elijah and the ministry of Christ. Um, the cross is no longer, uh, the, the, the cross is, 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 is showing us this different way, this way of, of, of forgiveness of those who, um, I, there was this amazing cartoon that I saw of a Baptist minister, 19th century Baptist minister. Um, and I'm going to get his name for you, but but he said that Jesus um, nurtured the tree from its earliest stages of growth to its full maturity on which he hung, even as he also nourished all of the men who put him to death. Isn't that, mm. <laughs> that fascinating? And, That's amazing. And so we're talking about a completely different understanding of what it means to be God um, coming amongst us um, in the person of Jesus, both in what he says and in what he does. And in contrast to what other people have said or what other people have done in the name of God. Yeah, and then, then we go and they have these interesting pictures of these anonymous would-be disciples and I, Tim Keller preached a sermon on this text, and I thought it was so profound. When he said he he opened up talking about the 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 discipleship being life in the kingdom, and he said, "Let's say you want to move from Texas, you know, which is in the United, kingdom of the United States, you know, that you know the United States of America to Canada, you know, this Commonwealth of England." He said, "You know, you'd get in a plane, you go all the way to the border or whatever, and you're on the other side of the border, or let's say you drive all the way up to Michigan or something. You're right on the border." He's like, for all the effort you put in, all the gas, the tolls, the time, the singing, you know, car karaoke, whatever, with your friends, you're still not in the kingdom. You've gone thousands of miles, and yet you're still in the same kingdom. And he said, you know, that there's something like this going on that, that, and he had this great analogy, or he had this great understanding of the event. He said, the first guy is an idealist. He said, idealists don't do well. They're, they're still in the old kingdom. And he says, yeah, I'll follow you everywhere. And he says, you know, like, it's almost like when Peter says, I'll never leave you or I'll never forsake you. Hey, where are you going? You know, I'll go wherever you go. And he says, I don't even have a place to lay my head. You know, <laughs> you know, that birds have nests, fox have holes, but I got no place. Like, and then he says, the other two are pragmatists. You know, they're, they're saying, uh, you know, I'll follow you, but let me, you know, bury the dead and and he points out that you know according to jewish custom and 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 law like if his father was dying he'd be at the bedside already his father's not imminently dying he's like you know yeah i just got my i got an old guy at home and i gotta look after him and you know the other one wants to say farewell first and he says no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom so so one guy is sort of overestimating uh and and not allowing that that the kingdom is always it's almost like he's got too much all readiness uh uh 
and the other guys have too much not yetness, you know, and, and the, but this is what keeps them from the realm of the kingdom. And none of them are submitting to the reality of the relationship with the king. Yeah. And, and, and of course, I mean, uh, Jesus is not, um, arguing that we shouldn't bury our dead or that we shouldn't care about, um, right. our loved ones or that we shouldn't communicate, uh, when we're leaving home. Um, <laughs> Uh, or that we're going on a long journey and we're going to be gone for a season. There's something else a lot deeper going on um, here. And uh, But I am sure that there have been and there, there will be and that there are now whole societies based upon the idea that Jesus commanded us not to bury our relatives. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, never to, never to, never to take our hand from the plow and, and all these kind of literal ways of reading um, these words. Instead of Jesus seeing deep into the heart of these people and making a particular statement to them that addresses the, their own condition of heart uh, in terms of readiness uh, to follow, readiness for the kingdom, readiness for the world that's coming to this world and so forth. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because they both, they, it seems like they, you know, Jesus is, you know, like N.T. Wright says, the auto basilia. He, he is the king is the kingdom. Yeah. And so that relationship has to be personal and, and, and you can't sort of, uh, both the sort of, uh, high-minded idealism, uh, and the sort of, uh, pragmatic sort of, uh, well, I would sort of be in relationship to Jesus. But, you know, these things, you know, the sort of making, these kinds of making excuses, they both uh, treat the kingdom almost as a means rather than an end in itself. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, that the, the, these disciples, these would-be disciples, uh, you know, are kept from the kingdom and the king, uh, seemingly because they won't release the reins of, of you know, their own lives uh, to the lordship of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, there's not there, to follow me is not. It, 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 I mean, it's it's follow every. I mean, you're it's follow my father, follow the creator, follow the one who lays down his life for the life of the world, follow humility, um, follow the one who um, makes peace uh, by the cross, follow the one who um, forgives as he is being. Um, as he is being beaten and scourged and nailed and, and, and everything else. Um, it, it's about, it, it's about so much more when he says, follow me, it's about everything that he says and everything that he does and everything that he is. Um, and uh, there's just no, there's no really, there's actually no adequate response to follow the, that command than to actually just do it, you know? And, that was, by the way, Octavius Winslow, who was a Baptist minister in the 19th century, and in and oh, in wow. the like last decade of his life became an Anglican. And um, I I was like, who is this 19th century, you know, reformed um, clergyman? Uh, he he's an Englishman. I guess he worked in America for a while, and then he was in and he was in England. Um, who's, who's sees this in such a patristic way, you know, that, that Jesus nurtured mm, yeah. the plant on which he was hung, that Jesus, that Jesus, uh, watched over and took care of and provided for all the hands that slew him, you know? Wow. Yeah. And, and I, and I think of like, that's beautiful. I think of that Eugene Peterson quote again, I think of these guys on the road and, you know, they're focusing more on their own righteousness than, than the righteousness of Christ. And that's the key to discipleship, focusing on his righteousness and not our own. What a blessing thank you, that my you're doing this for doing and have been doing this for years, helping people get some starters and think about 
ways that they might launch into their own witness to the gospel. And uh, so good. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be Thanks. your friend and to be um, invited on the show as often as I am. Thanks for being a part of it. Much love friend. and grace. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review and subscribe or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Ken for being on the podcast and thank you again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare thee.